Hello and welcome everyone at the React Native Show podcast with our series React Native at Scale. Today I have two incredible guests with me, uh, Rafael Mendiola and Jakub Stadnichuk. In this series, we take guests from business sides of the products and we talk about the uh, intersection of business and technology. We show the impact of technological changes on the product and on the organization. And our guests can share their hard-won knowledge about organizational challenges that they gained uh, throughout their career as business consultants and as, uh, in Jakub's case, development managers. So Jakub, let's start from you. Uh, can you please introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you do at Colstack? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Jakub Stadnichok. I'm business development manager here at Colstack. Uh, I've been here for almost two years, so my role is to help figure out our new partners, how we can best support them around uh, their needs around React and React Native. Uh, I've been working in sales in the IT industry for over six years now at various companies such as startups, scale-ups, and yeah, now I'm at Colstack and I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much. And uh, our second guest is Rafael Mendiola. And Rafael, can you please share some of the bullet points from your extensive experience? Uh, yeah, so I have about uh, 20 years of development experience and I started out with uh, Flash development, which was really influential with for me. Um, I've been working with all sorts of company sizes, um, startups, scale-ups, um, enterprises, uh, both as a consultant as an, and as an employee. Uh, and I've also had a wide variety variety of uh, experiences. Uh, so, for example, I I built a really interesting system for a management consulting company, which um, influenced me a lot in the way that I think about process and delivering products and, and making technology choices. Um, so I've been involved with uh, React Native for about six years. Uh, I think I was one of the very early adopters. Um, it really caught my attention um, because of the um, operational benefits that it brings. Um, and so that's what I've been doing for the last six years. And I hope I can share some of my experience with you. Yeah, we hope as well. Uh, and I'm sure you will. Thanks so much. Six years experience in bringing React Native to startups, scale-ups, enterprises. That's, that is what is this series about. So let's jump into this. And maybe we can uh, start actually with your career. And uh, you said that you've been helping businesses of all shapes and sizes. So how does the adoption of React Native differ between startup and scale-ups and enterprises? So um, if you're a company that's adopting uh, React Native uh, at you know, at some point, uh, it means that you didn't have React Native before. So for a startup, uh, you probably consider React Native very early um, in the in the process. Um, I think it's really good to do your MVP in React Native. Uh, and I think a lot of startups are mostly choosing React Native nowadays uh, just to get stuff working. Um, it's a really good way to get an impactful MVP uh, for iOS uh, and Android. 
with that scale up, uh, you probably have an MVP and you're probably achieving uh, product market fit, um, but you might have already uh, built a na native app. Uh, so if you are a scale up at, at using, starting to use React Native, it means that you probably have an existing native app. Um, the situations that I've seen are um, scale-ups that only have one version of the of like the mobile app, so they'll have like the iOS app. In in the US, iOS is much more popular than Android, so companies focus on iOS first uh, because that's what the people in the company have. Yeah. Um, and so a scale-up might be looking to add the um, uh, the Android version of their app. And that's usually when they start thinking about maybe you just do this in React Native. Um, and I think for an enterprise, um, I think it tends to happen uh, when the enterprise has uh, issues with delivery. So if you're a big enterprise, you probably have a surface area of uh, web, iOS, and Android. And so depending on how you scale up your teams, you might have a unbalanced company, uh, an unbalanced development team. So you might have a very, very big front-end development team and not so big iOS and Android teams, um, which um, that can lead to a, a situation where you're not delivering consistently uh, to your users, right? Ultimately, what you care about is you know, how are you delivering value to your users? And if you have situations where um, the your your web application is far ahead of the mobile applications or the iOS application is very different from the Android application, I think that's when you start considering as an enterprise um, that you should start looking into React Native. And those are typically the, the type of situations that I've seen. Okay, thanks. Uh, that was a lot of context from startups, scale-ups to enterprises. Three different approaches for three different phases of hopefully a big a uh, successful company from startup to, to enterprise. So what are the main considerations for all of those groups? Um, in other words, if I'm a CTO <laughs> driving React Native revolution uh, in such environment, what should I consider? Um, so first and foremost, you, regardless of whatever decision you're making, yeah, you, you want to think about the impact on your users. Um, and so, um, when you think about the impact on your users, you want to think about how quickly am I delivering features and am I delivering features to the right platforms, um, in a timely manner. Um, so your operational effectiveness, um, is one big consideration when you, when you're making this decision. Um, I think the other big decision is, um, your talent pool. Um, you probably need to consider what the makeup of your company currently is. Um, so for example, like if you have a really, really heavy um, native development team uh, that's working well, maybe you, you know, think about React Native a little bit differently, but um, if you have a lot of front-end engineers, for example, um, then that's a good reason to start thinking about uh, React Native. Um, and also just the talent pool that's out there. Um, it's, I think it's a little bit harder, probably harder and more expensive to find native iOS and Android engineers. Um, whereas React is really popular. Um, there's a lot of React developers out there that can be easily trained to 
start working on mobile. So, you know, access to the talent pool that's out there, the huge talent pool that exists in the JavaScript ecosystem, I think that's a huge factor when uh, making these kind of decisions. Um, yeah, yeah. So you said about talent pool, and I found and I find that it is not necessarily that obvious to you said it's going to be relatively easy to train uh, web engineers to become React Native engineers. Um, I find that this is not that obvious, right? Um, React Native has its own uh, quirks, has its own limitations, let's say, and it's a little bit different than React on, on the web. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, we can talk about this in in some of the later parts of the podcast, but you, it's not easy to it's not necessarily easy to jump from React Web to React Native. I think uh, if you're a developer watching this uh, and you work on web and you're thinking about moving to React Native, you have to remember that you're moving to a completely different domain. You're moving mm-hmm. from the web to to mobile. And that has its own uh, challenges. Um, and also, you got to know that you know you're going to have to solve iOS and Android issues. That's just part of the the React Native lifestyle. Um, so just get ready to be the kind of developer that you know is able to understand iOS and Android issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, yeah, it's definitely tempting, right, for organizations to think, okay, we have like those React developers, why not move them to React Native? But there's some very important aspects, like Lukas mentioned, like for example, uh, bearing in mind that you don't have like unlimited resources of a computer, but you're using your users are using mobile phones, so you have to keep, for example, performance always at the yes. back of your mind. And there's like there's some traps out there, uh, but it definitely like makes sense and. It might be a good move if you already have like a solid talent pool in your organization, right? Yeah, for sure. Let's let's check on those actually. Let's let's go to the next question. Which are the traps? So, what to look uh, look out for uh, on the way to bringing React Native uh, to the product from startup to enterprise? So, um, I think one of the biggest traps um, or one of the biggest um, hurdles um, that a company might face is the fact when they're bringing in particular, like uh, I guess, web developers to mobile is that uh, mobile has higher standards of quality. Um, in web, if you ship a bug, you can fix it right away and it's no big deal. Uh, but in mobile, if you ship a bug, you can you really pay for it. Um, in mobile, you have uh, what's called like the long tail of versions. So um, we think that app updates are automatic, but that's not necessarily the case for all users. So when you launch a mobile application and you take a look at your analytics and you look at the the different versions that are um, that are out there, you will see that there's actually a long tail of versions. So most of your users will be in the in the latest version. But a lot of your users will not have updated the app in like months or something like yeah. that. So um, if you ship a bug on mobile, you will not be able to take it back 100%. So that's that's one of the big considerations. You could, uh, there are some mitigations to this, right? You could like implement something like code push. And if your bug is in JS bundle, then you can uh, push your 
uh, update to all of your users at the same time. But those are, again, strictly mobile considerations that you have to take into account. Whereas in the web world, uh, you just deploy and it's there. It's visible for all of the users at the same time. Yeah, and, and setting up CodePush, um, it's it's a great tool. It takes a little bit of effort to set up. Um, and my personal ideology is that even if you have something like CodePush, you still need to commit to a higher level of quality uh, when you ship on mobile. Yeah. I, I think this connects really well with web being this open ocean where you can just drop everything, publish anything. And like, of course, there is a web engine, uh, search engines and like recommendations, stuff like that. But on mobile, you have this big, two big stores that will rate your app, that will allow user to rate your app and basically um share an opinion that does that app that does not actually work for me it, it, it's crap right but on the web uh there is no such concept so so like you said the the quality bar is much much higher on the mobile yeah i think like for, on that note like it's much easier for organizations to lose credibility uh, in their customer base right because like you mentioned you can just put it out there on web and with uh, app stores and Play Store, once you put it out there, you start gathering bad reviews. Uh, some users might, might not be on the latest version of the application, but once you lose this credibility in your from your users, like it's very hard to regain it. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, the fact that web doesn't really have a review system. Uh, so if you ship something, um, if you ship something that's bad quality on mobile, users will call you out uh, immediately. Yeah, yeah. And that affects your uh, your um, like your like new user pipeline because uh, there's been plenty of times when I download, when I look for like a major um, app for like a major service and it has like three stars or something like that. And that just it made me, makes me think that this is just not a good product. So you yeah. really want to manage your app rating really well. So, neglected, right? Yeah. So I think this ties us well with the next question that I wanted to ask. So you have to maintain a high quality product because we are on mobile. So how about the team composition? How about the development environment? What kind of devs do you need to do that? Um, so my mentality is that you need to have a mix of um, expert native engineers, uh, people who come to React Native from the native world, um, who are going to be really good at um, you know, implementing native modules or uh, fixing native level uh, bugs for you. Um, and if you have like a really good core team of those types of people, then you can start bringing in as many web developers as uh, you can. Um, even if they don't have that much training in uh, native issues, as long as you have a really good uh, core team of native engineers, um, then you can start feeling a little bit more comfortable um, with the quality of a process. Um, I think if you have a development team, especially like if you're a scale-up or um, a, a big enterprise, 
if your React Native team is made up of people that only come from web development, uh, then that's a little bit uh, riskier. Um, once you're at, at a certain size, I definitely think you should start investing in uh, some native engineers. I think uh, it really, mm, I really connect with what you said about the mix of really uh, skilled native engineers. And when you have that, when you have that base, you can invite people from web to start playing around with mobile because if you don't have that people, then uh, it's not it's not only the product that hurts, but also like the dev experience of your developers, because someone has to understand the build system, someone has to understand the native tooling, someone has to build up that infrastructure so that everyone else can have a smooth ride after that. Yeah, you definitely don't want to uh, make people uh have to deal with issues with CocoaPods or, or something like that, uh, like which can often even happen. Even Xcode and Android Studio, just just uh, mm, grasping the breath of of those tools uh, can be really intimidating from somewhere coming from web. Yeah, um, and even I had some Android experience before coming to React Native um, and having to deal with the third-party dependencies and like, you know, at the Gradle level, yeah. That was a little bit mind bending. Uh, yes. Like it, I know it definitely caused a lot of issues for me um, in the early days of React Native. I don't think it's that case. That's the case anymore. Um, but you could still have um, like radial issues or um, pods issues or like you know framework issues. Um, in those cases, it's really good to you know have a pool of uh, talent that understands how to solve those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, one thing to remember is that. Uh, React Native does not necessarily replace native development. Um, I have been part of teams that are, already have an existing native development team and I'm bringing in React Native and they've actually helped me out a ton. Um, so there's definitely lots of opportunities to do uh, really interesting stuff uh, on the native level, even if you're bringing in uh, React Native. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, we are still in the subject of uh, traps to watch out for uh, when introducing React Native. So I want to ask you about uh, both of you, uh, Rafael and Kuba, uh, for a bubble that I, as a React Native, mostly React Native developer and with some underwrite background, I live in. So um, what do you think about people reaching out for knowledge, where to look for knowledge, how to keep the team on their feet, how to keep them interested, informed, stuff like that. Should I go first? Yeah, sure. Right, yeah. So um, I think that React Native is a great technology that's, that people oftentimes might, might forget how quickly it's evolving. And if you close your eyes for a second you might be like already a couple of releases behind with some kind of uh, with React Native itself or some other libraries that you've been using and especially because of how great open source community is with React Native 
And it's great that you have like a, such a selection of tools and libraries that you can use in your project, but still it adds this pressure of keeping up to if, uh, what's happening with the technology itself, right? Um, I think that also like Meta is great, doing much better job with communicating with the community as well. However, like having companies such as Callstack or Infinite Red or Shopify or Microsoft that are backing up this technology and are also spreading the word and making the community more aware of all the changes really helps. Yeah, um, React Native is an ecosystem with a large open source surface area. So um, it has been really helpful for me to um, keep my ear to the ground by uh, going to conferences. Um, in the early days, I used Twitter quite a bit to keep up with React Native, so that's a really good source of, um, of information. Um, but I found it really useful in my career to go to conferences. Um, I think I was one, I came to the first version, uh, first iteration of React Native EU, and I met a lot of people in the React Native community. Um, I met some of the open source maintainers um, I met people from Expo, I met people from Callstack, and having a good network of React Native developers that can just give you hints, or they can tell you uh, the practices that they're um, implementing, um, that's actually really, really helpful for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you guys mentioned two things. Uh, you mentioned a good, good source of knowledge, conferences, um, that you should take your knowledge from like verified sources like Meta and Microsoft and Callstack. But I feel like you forgot one thing. And that one thing is that you need people on your team that actually care about this, that actually are passionate about React Native, that actually want to get that knowledge. They don't, um, they passively accumulate the knowledge and are able to pass it on to the team. So just wrapping up this section about the team structure, you need great native developers to guide your product through the setup phase, through the native issues. And you also need great React Native devs, a few of them, to keep the product energized, to get the latest knowledge and to not get entangled with the tech dev and, and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. I think in development teams, usually I'm that person, so I never think about that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, having people that are that really see the value, uh, just the the operational value, the development experience value, um, having people who really really understand that uh, is really important for the success of any React Native project. So let me digress from my script just a little bit, uh, Rafael. From your experience, did you have an opportunity to have a great native dev that got really engaged with React Native and started to be a real great React Native dev? Or do you those two personas on the team are too separate always? In my experience, those personas have been uh a little bit separate um, because that's the scenario in which I've encountered those have been in the enterprise 
uh, mm -hmm. scenario, not necessarily like in the scale up or startup scenario. Uh, in the startup scenario, the story is a little bit different. Um, yeah, you have a team of three people. Yeah. Um, and then when, if you're starting a mobile, if you've done a native app and you make the switch to uh, like a React native app, those people are going to be questioning their careers, right? Um, but um, in the cases of um, the big enterprise, I have met engineers who uh, started studying React Native and got really interested in it. And um, these are typically the people who understand the 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 real value behind it. Uh, I think when an, a native developer, uh, when their identity is tied to their technology, um, that's a little bit hard. Uh, but if you have really strong native developers that are general problem solvers and that are looking for the most efficient effective way of um, delivering a product, those are the kind of people that will get interested in React Native. Yeah, it's a super interesting case because like from our experience from Callstack where we're introducing React Native in those big enterprises, like you can definitely see two types of, of native developers. Ones that are strongly, strongly connected with the technology they've been using for years uh, and, and they see React Native as a potential technology that may replace native in the company. And you also have the second group, those problem solvers, they just see React Native as a, another tool they can use to solve different problems. And for them, it's not a matter of choice which technology I should use, which one I should focus on, but rather like expanding their skill set to be able to solve the problem more efficiently and yeah, and just simply better. Yeah, and, and see the bigger oper operational value, like Rafael said. Uh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about those benefits. We, we've been talking about uh, struggles for too long. Um, what are the core benefits from startups to enterprises of bringing in React Native? Um, I would say it's definitely uh, operational excellence. Um, I think React Native is the one way I know um, in which you can deliver value to your users on web, um, iOS and Android. Um, React Native in particular because of the JavaScript layer. So you can um, use a lot of your front-end um, and front-end expertise and uh, code base. You can leverage that across all platforms. So if you are you know, somebody, a leader in a company and you're interested in like, how do I deliver the most value uh, the quickest? I think React Native is um, a big, um, like it's it's a it's a big carrot to to try to follow. Um, that for me, like, it's the number one, uh, the number one benefit. I I just want to get the product out there a lot faster. Um, I I want to get it done faster than my competitors. I want my users to be delighted with the pace of updates. I don't want them to feel like, you know, the iOS app or the Android app is behind uh, web. So it for me, it's just like that operational excellence uh, portion of it. Um, I think another huge benefit, um, especially when you compare it to um, other cross-platform tools like um, like Flutter, for example, um, it's the benefit of having the JavaScript ecosystem. 
there are a lot of tools um, that are widely used in the JavaScript ecosystem. It's like very huge. It's robust. Um, and you're going to use JavaScript in uh, in web. So just the ability to use JavaScript to build for all platforms, I think that's another huge advantage. Yeah, especially if you already have uh, a React web page, React application on the web, uh, you can do similar things in Flutter when Flutter renders to like Canvas on the web, but it's not really the same thing as coming from web to uh, from Web React to, to React Native. Yeah, I think it's a hard sell to want to uh, refactor your web app just so you can support something like Flutter on, on mobile. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, yeah. Typically, you want it to make things easier for you, not to force you to do a big refactor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Kuba, uh, do you want to add something to obvious or less obvious benefit of bringing React Native through uh, to the spectrum of uh, companies. I really like Rafael's take on like how we can keep the future parity on all the platforms. But again, it, since everyone is using JavaScript, all the teams can speak the same language. And this is from our experience, what can really facilitate the development of on all the platforms uh, inside an organization. And what I personally really like about React Native in those kind of situations is the flexibility it gives you. Because right now you don't have to split your teams into different platforms, depending on if they deploy to mobile, web, or TV, etc. You can structure them however you like because they're all using the same language and every one of them can jump in and help a different team at, the, at an end point. And I think this is what's really great. And um, it allows you to really build a great dynamic in your development team, uh, which wouldn't be possible to the same extent using native technologies, for example. Yeah, uh, I, that's absolutely right. Um, I like the idea of um, unifying, uh, if like if you have feature teams, unifying that mobile and web experience and you know having one team that is taking a look at that entire experience. When you have um, separate native teams, uh, oftentimes you know they're in different parts of the organizations. Uh, organization they have different PMs, um, so there isn't a cohesive vision of how this feature should work across all platforms. There's you know the web feature and somebody else is coordinating the mobile feature, and hopefully they're talking to each other. But oftentimes that's that's not the case. So just being able to just focus on a feature across all platforms, that's a huge benefit. Yeah, exactly. Because I, like what you mentioned, hopefully those teams talk to each other. But again, uh, in case of native technologies, they're not even using the same language. So for example, if we talk to each other in English, it's perfect. But for example, if I started talking to you in Polish and you keep talking to me in English, like it's not going to work. Maybe it's going to work, but we're going to sacrifice so much effort and time to make it work. Like and what then when you compare it to the teams that are all using the same language it's like a yeah yeah very big difference maker uh to wrap this up i will just add uh one more point to your brilliant discussion about the team structure we are actually forgetting a few different platforms we are talking about mobile ios android and web but i work on a project that has a tv presence as well so that's 
even additional platform, even additional team that is uh, that is unified to this one unified product, which is like application for all of those platforms that everyone can contribute to different pieces on different platforms where they feel they can bring value. I want to move on from summarizing the team composition and let's dive in into adopting React Native in an enterprise setup. So starting from the very beginning, when I go for React Native, uh, when would I do that or when not to pursue that path as a business? Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I would say if your mobile delivery is working uh, really well, uh, and if you're a large enterprise, then messing with that might be risky. Uh, you might get some operational benefits. Um, if you have the mentality that you want to optimize even further, I think it's a good um, idea to think about React Native. But if you don't want to have a lot of risk uh, in your existing product delivery or like the composition of your team, um, you know, just keep my my thinking is just keep going with the native work because um, that's that's clearly working for you. Um, if something ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, you can always improve it, um, <laughs> but you you need to be really thoughtful about you know what are the actual benefits that you're going to get. Um, yeah. But that's often not the case, uh, to be honest. Um, so it's usually when you have uh, like delivery issues, um, when you're not able to deliver features fast enough, that's when you want to start thinking about React Native. Yeah, I think it applies not only for releasing features, but generally the speed of your development process, right? Because again, um, when you're scaling your native teams, you may hit some bottleneck at some point where adding more people not necessarily helps you deliver faster because, for example, you want to keep this feature parity. So the, for example, Android team still needs to wait for the iOS team to finish their task, right? And with React Native, you're able to remove some of the bottlenecks. And again, you have this wider range of possibilities of how you want to structure your teams to improve the efficiency of their work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so basically from our experience, if you see any kind of like the of the bottlenecks in the development and release process, this might be a case where you want to consider the switch of technologies. Um, because again, um, according to the Conway law, um, it, might, it would make sense to, to see that the results of the technology uh, you're using affecting uh, like how you're releasing the product. But again, like what we stand for at Callstack is the reverse column below. So we want to uh, allow you to use the technology of your choice depending on how you want to structure your teams and how you want to uh, design the whole process of development your product. You you mentioned the word bottleneck, and I think that's a great concept. Uh, if you feel like there's bottlenecks in uh, delivering your mobile apps, that's you definitely want to start thinking about how to optimize that. Okay, so guys, let's say I'm this uh, fictional CTO. I weigh in the pros and cons. I'm going. I'm going to go for it. I'm moving with React Native in my enterprise setup. I'm not a startup. I'm not a scale up. I already have all that that we discussed. I'm moving in with React Native. 
So how do I set uh, priorities in such projects? Um, what are my ambition, uh, ambitious and achievable goals? Yeah. Um, this is, it's going to be a little bit tough. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and it has nothing to do with React Native. Uh, it has uh, mostly to do with the fact that you're in an enterprise. Uh, so enterprises move a lot slower than startups or scale-ups just because they have so many people. There's a lot of um, stakeholders. There's a lot of uh, people to to coordinate. Um, so I would take kind of like... Um, management consulting approach you know think about like what management consultants do when they uh, first come in and and, um, and start analyzing and making recommendations for the company um, so the very first thing you want to do is just take an account of what your development process is like you know what are the bottlenecks what's what's going on um, talk to the developers talk to the stakeholders um, I think that's probably very important to do um, then um, I would say you probably really need to define for yourself what you want and when do you want it. Um, this is one of the, the challenges of working in an enterprise that, in that many times um, projects don't have focus. Um, many times, uh, you know, teams are just working incrementally. So, you know, we are at point A, how do we get to point A prime? But in a transformational project like bringing React Native to an enterprise, you really want to figure out, we are at point A, how do I get to point B? And you really, really want to define your point B um, and when do you want to achieve it. So the way that um, my experience in enterprise has been that um, we've had um, an existing native mobile app, right? You probably don't want to jump in and change everything. Uh, there's probably a lot of code that you don't want to throw away. So I think the first proof of concept uh, that you should do is start building a brand new feature uh, using React Native and trying to put it into the, the native mobile apps. So you might have cases where there's a feature that's available on web, uh, but it's not available on uh, mobile yet. So that's a perfect opportunity to try to reuse the code and the developers that built that uh, web feature and uh, figure out how to um, use React Native to bring that feature to your existing native apps. So, so in that in that perfect scenario, you take something from the web, you try to share um, as much code as maybe not possible, but is good for that uh, for that feature, and that way you can start convincing the stakeholders and convincing the developers on the on the other side of the equation that this is actually a good choice. For this particular feature, if we build it in React Native, we take it from the web, uh, we gain uh, such and such uh, benefits. Yeah, and, and the big benefit is that you have one team that is overseeing that feature on web and on mobile. So um, that to me is a huge win. Uh, and what's great about React Native, it doesn't have to be a web feature implemented into mobile. Again, it can be any other platform as well, like for example, TVs as well. Uh, since And it's then super easy to show the 
ROI on this investment to the stakeholders. And um, I think what what also really helps and what we do at Callstack is that for any kind of like digital transformation, if it either applies for processes or strict product development, we always try to use this DMIC methodology and we always want to make like data-driven changes. So then uh, again, showing the efficiency and then correlating this with some kind of data that you collected as a baseline um, basically makes uh, getting the buy-in from the stakeholders much, much easier. And we have to remember that we're talking about big enterprises where there's a number of stakeholders and every one of them has some kind of gold in their mind, right? Yeah. Uh, so that were the great points about starting implementation of some features in React Native in enterprise setup. Uh, you said, let's create a goal. Uh, one perfect example would be a feature that existing on web. Uh, set a deadline, stick to it, and like show the efficiency to both stakeholders and developers. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about getting the whole organization on board with adopting React Native. And again, let's start from hurdles. What should I expect along the way? How to deal with hurdles from stakeholders, from developers? Yeah, I think something we already touched on briefly is getting the buy-in from native developers. Because if we're talking about introducing React Native in enterprises, obviously there are some uh, kind of a, mo a native mobile team in place already there, right? And uh, as I mentioned before, you can get uh, you can often see two types of groups, people that are open to learn a new skill set and use it in parallel with other skills they have. Uh, and by that, I mean native uh, skills. Or you have people that need some convincing because they feel threatened about they, them or their technology being replaced by something newer. Uh, and, and oftentimes, uh, especially in enterprises, this may seem like a, a business decision affecting the delivery team. And I think it makes it even more important to, first of all, be transparent about this change and give your developers this uh, operational standpoint, this viewpoint that you mentioned earlier on, Rafael, because I think most of the developers do not think that way from this operational standpoint, if they're not like uh, higher, higher in the hierarchy of the company. Um, and, and I think this transparency may be really eye-opening for them about like what are the main benefits of React Native for them in this particular project? Yeah, and just to digress a little bit, I I find that tech companies don't really think necessarily, um, you know, in tight operational ways uh, because there's so much money on tech, right? You can just buy, you can just get developers, and you know they take their time. And I've been that developer who takes a lot of time to implement something. Um, so in tech companies, you don't really have kind of like the intense pressure to deliver necessarily that you would have in other industries, like, you know, like a, the restaurant industry, for yeah. example, um, in a restaurant, you go to work and you got to deliver something by the end of the day, right? You got to deliver a bunch of things. Uh, whereas in tech, um, you necessarily don't. Um, and so, uh, I think that's one of the, the things that, um, you might have to watch for. It's just the way that the organization operates around this initiative. Um, in a large enterprise, it 
it could go slow. Um, so I think what's important to have is um, maybe like an uh, an executive sponsor or like a champion, like a high level champion, who is going to help you um, identify who the stakeholders out, who the stakeholders are, um, help you uh, interview them, and um, help you figure out uh, what their concerns are, um, and um, generally have you know people within the company who are going to run blocking for you because what you really want to have is like a good runway uh, to get your project done. And in a big enterprise, I think the project's going to take longer than you think it's going to because of all these uh, big enterprise operational issues and communication issues. Um, so setting up the environment around the project, I think is really important. Yeah, uh, I really like the that you mentioned, like having this champion on the client side, because while we're all aware of the benefits of React Native and this champion that's possibly driving this uh, technological change on the on the client side, uh, might be also aware of all the benefits. Uh, the other stakeholders might only know React Native from hearing some kind of facts about them or maybe some gossips, like uh, Airbnb article might come up at some point because like this is probably one of the um, biggest misconceptions about React Native and also like one of the most popular articles that's out there in the web about React Native at the same time, right? So I think like someone uh, on the client side, that, client side that helps you handle all the objections and someone that you can help arm with more informative uh, assets uh, really can help you like facilitate the process and uh, it doesn't mean that it's going to be a short process because we're still talking about like huge enterprises and uh, big organizations. Um, but still, like uh, it, it's really valuable to have this person and that you know that will help you drive this change. Yeah, I I can't believe I'm still talking about the Airbnb blog post. <laughs> uh, it comes up uh, every once in a while, um, and I think that's one of the the big misconceptions. I, I think there's two big misconceptions about React Native. One, that React Native isn't mobile, which is absolutely not true. React Native is absolutely native development. Anything that you can do in native, you can do in React Native because uh, React Native can be just the, the business layer of it. Uh, and you can control whatever you want uh, on native. Um, but also just the fact that, I, you know, I guess React Native um, doesn't work out sometimes. And that's not necessarily the case. I think transformational projects don't work out sometimes, regardless of uh, the technology that you choose. And that has a lot to do, a lot more to do with your company culture, how the company operates, um, the stability of the teams implementing this. Uh, many times in a big enterprise, uh, you can have really good engineers, but if the enterprise is constantly reorganizing, for example, that makes things uh, harder to implement. Um, so one thing to keep in mind is if you're going to do React Native uh, in an enterprise, you really need to think about the culture and the people that are going to be involved in this. Yeah, I think that's a great wrap-up of getting an organization on board. Uh, Kuba was, was speaking about developers, about native developers, web developers coming into the project. Uh, Rafael, you, you were saying about the uh, leadership sponsor, about mapping the stakeholders, about getting the buy-in from everyone. 
And uh, yeah, thanks thanks for that wrap up. Um, so once I, as a CTO, again, <laughs> introducing React Native to my enterprise project again, once I de- have the support of both of those areas, uh, how do I educate my team on this new framework uh, in an enterprise setup? And what are some tips for scaling uh, such a team with the time? Want to go first? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm I'm going to give you my personal opinion on this, uh, which is not necessarily what um, tech companies do, but um, I like having brainstorming and um, learning sessions with developers. Um, early on in my experience, um, I was at a company that hired uh, two junior engineers uh, for uh, a React Native application. And I was one of the people leading this React Native application. And I had to get them up to speed. So what I did was, you know, every few days, I would just get in a conference room with them and talk for two hours about the architecture um, of the app, you know, how they can navigate it. Um, whenever they had specific tickets, I would sit down with them and just map things out for them. So I, th- I think the, the process of just sitting together with developers and just talking about the stuff that you're doing, that really accelerates um, the, the learning. So you might want to have like workshops, um, you know, learning sessions, like record some training videos and, and socialize it. Um, but I think just being together in a room and just talking about what you're doing is really, really helpful. And, and that's the most efficient way of of um, distributing the knowledge uh, across your team. Also, this is a great time to, again, show this organizational benefits, organizational standpoint for all of the stakeholders in the team. You can talk about technology, but you can also show the bigger picture of the whole feature of the whole domain. How does it impact uh, the product, the business? Uh, Kuba, do you want to say something about uh, educating the development teams in React Native, in product domain? Mm -hmm. I think like what Rafael mentioned is 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 crucial here basically because it's the same thing that came up where we were discussing this dev bubble uh, and how it's important to keep uh, stay up to speed with all the technology changes, but uh, also like from the other perspective, like keeping up with the technology is obviously crucial, but having a solid baseline that you start with uh, is also super important in our perspective because we see often see companies that uh, were fully utilizing the benefits of React Native, so they were like releasing quickly, they were cross-platform, all that good stuff. But at the same time, uh, if you're not being careful, like. Uh, from our experience, React Native is also a really easy technology to gain technical depth yes. and uh, collect sound and start uh, seeing uh, performance regressions. So uh, making other developers that might be less experienced with this technology about these potential traps uh, can save you a lot of time and a lot of effort uh, of your team in the future work. Yeah, I, I definitely I agree with that. I feel that training, just in general, like regardless of whether you are 
um, trying to implement change or not. Like just constant training is, is, is a really important thing that you should make part of your culture because, I mean, developers have to always be learning. Like any developer that is that hasn't studied anything in two weeks is already behind. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having workshops, having uh, show and tells, having uh, guild sessions, um, that those are really effective ways of making sure that uh, developers have uniform uh, knowledge about your product. Yeah. Yeah. Often communication I... is the key. And not, not only in development setting, but like ev in everyday life, in work life, in personal life, you have to communicate. Everyone has to know what is the bigger picture because only then people can, can navigate the decisions, can navigate the small decisions that impact the bigger picture. Uh, I want to turn the tables a little bit for, for this next question. So again, I'm a CTO of my enterprise setup and we've implemented, we've introduced React Native, all three of us, uh, to our product. And guys, it doesn't work. I can see bugs, I can see bad reviews, and I can see that over time, it takes longer for my team to deliver the features. So what do you think might be possible causes for this? I have a good one. Um, so uh, this often happens when you have web developers with a lot of ex who have spent a lot of time building web applications um, build you know when you move into React Native. Um, as Kuba mentioned earlier, uh, when you build stuff on desktop, you have a lot of horsepower, um, so you don't necessarily see the performance issues that uh, your web app has. But to be honest, most of the web apps out there probably have huge performance issues. When you move to mobile, you're working with less horsepower and you need to be more efficient. So um, a lot of you know the issues that are hidden on web, they become really apparent on mobile. And you can have things like um, you know, laggy screens, right? You always want to try to keep your um, your application running at 60 frames per second. Um, and I know a lot of like React Native apps that often just go down to like 10 frames per second, or like they might even take like two or three seconds to render one frame because they're doing a lot of background work. Um, and so um, at that point, you really want to start thinking about training your developers in uh, React performance. I would say that a lot of the performance issues don't really happen because like React Native, the technology, um, or like anything on native, but because of, they happen because of foot guns that happen in React. For example, like you might not have optimized uh, functional components, or you might not have um, stable values being returned from hooks um, mm -hmm. or something like that. So those are the type of things that are going to cause lag on your application. And when your application is really laggy, then that's when users are going to start rating your app really low. Yeah. Um, like from my perspective, like I mentioned earlier, this possibility of how you can structure the teams and the flexibility you have using React Native. Uh, but it's also like a two-edged sword because 
at some point when you're scaling your team and you have a big number of developers contributing to a single code base, oftentimes like the responsibilities and the boundaries between those teams uh, can uh, are not that obvious for everyone, and you have to you need to have someone in place that will make sure that uh, each team knows what they're responsible for and all the topics that are oftentimes neglected because there's no team designed to take care of them, like the developer experience, the uh, tooling around it, uh, CI, CD pipelines. Those are the topics that need to be uh, taken care of, especially if you have big teams. So uh, I think like oftentimes organizations do not realize that they actually might need like a fully separate team, even like an infrastructure team that will take care of the stuff to uh, for once uh, improve the developer experience and then again also remove some blockers that might be slowing down your development process. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's really important for enterprises. Like, So when you're a scale-up, that's when you want to start thinking about having um, kind of like a core development team that's going to support the rest of your React Native developers. And that team should be looking at, you know, uh, the developer experience, you know, making sure that you know, React Native is updated. Uh, that's another source of, like, issues, like when you don't, when you fall behind on React Native versions. Um, also take care of things like making sure that, you know, your application has TypeScript set up, uh, making sure that you have good ESLint rules, um, making sure that, you know, when you have your continuous integration, that you are uh, running some sort of like integration tests or uh, visual regression tests as well. Um, there's a lot of tests. There's like a big pipeline. Uh, your development pipeline has a lot of stages, right? From developer experience to delivery. So having a team that is focused on making sure that that pipeline is smooth uh, will help the overall process and it will help um, make sure that the quality of the app and the responsiveness of the app is is of a high, high quality. Um, the other thing that I, I wanted to mention is not necessarily a React Native thing, but just a general code-based thing is make sure that somebody is responsible for any part of your code base. Uh, when a scale-up gets big, um, you kind of start seeing layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of, of uh, code revisions. Um, I feel like you kind of start seeing the the tree rings, I don't know, of the code base as it gets bigger. And oftentimes, yes. uh, there's parts of the code that are just not owned by anybody because there used to be a team that did this part, but then they got reorganized and this guy left the company and this other person now is like director somewhere else and they don't work on that anymore. So um, if you're a CTO, just make sure that you have an eye on code ownership all throughout your code base. I yeah. really like the analogy and I already imagine how the rings in the tree relate to like different coding style or like different naming patterns in code base that evolves over the years. And yeah, I, I, re I really like the analogy. Yeah, and with a big product, like a lot of dependencies and some of possibly parts of the code being unattended, I can also definitely see that some developers losing trust in the code that they're working on. Yeah, And I think it's another thing that may really slow down the process that you have in place and 
it's not really that visible to, uh, to an eye unless you really start talking on a low level with all your developers. Yeah, especially to a new developer. I've, I've been a new developer coming into a large code base. Um, yeah, the, the issue of trust. Um, if you're a scale-up and you're hiring people, uh, you should keep in mind that you know talented, the talented developers that you hire, they're going to have an opinion on the way that your code base is at, in its current state. Um, a lot of times it's just, for example, very clear that uh, developers have been in a bubble. Um, this is not talking specifically about React Native or anything like that, but uh, just about large code bases. Um, and this is why we mentioned that it's important for developers to keep their ear to the ground, um, make sure that they're following what the um, the new best practices that the industry is um, establishing. Uh, because oftentimes you come into like a really old code base that doesn't really follow modern uh, development standards. And so, you know, somebody who came from like a startup, you know, where they were using the latest and greatest might come into like an enterprise and, you know, they might feel a little bit stuck with some of the decisions that have been made in that code base over time. Okay. Uh, thank you, guys. I have few last questions for this episode, and, and we are wrapping up. But few last questions from the last subject that I want to talk about, which is React Native as a product. So we know that React Native is an open source project that is uh, maintained by Meta and Microsoft and companies like Callstack and by a huge community of open source contributors. So being in that uh, context of React Native as a product, let's start with the frustration. What is your biggest frustration with the React Native right now? I think my biggest frustration with the vanilla React Native is that it, it just never got productized. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, I was really, really influenced by Flash uh, when I was coming up as a developer. That, that was kind of like my first professional gigs. Um, so there is the development world before the iPhone and the development world before, like after the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so the the iPhone just kind of just transformed how everything works, like the the whole technology ecosystem. But before we had the iPhone, we had big companies making um, big development tools, um, like really really high quality development tools, like Flash. Like the Flash editor was uh, really really good. Um, I could rely on it. I could do a lot of really cool stuff with animations with coding. Um, etc. And so um, that kind of age of the web ended. Uh, and then we moved on to um, kind of like more open sourcey things. Um, and I think the, the big frustration is that uh, there hasn't been kind of like the singular vision of what React Native should be. React Native has a large um, open source surface area. So that has some benefits in that anybody can contribute, but the the level at which the level of experience for a React Native developer is just never going to be to the level that a big company who's productizing their technology is going to provide you. So as a mm-hmm. React Native developer, you always need to be hunting for information 
Um, you need to be keeping your ear to the ground, uh, etc. Um, obviously, I can, you know, I can definitely sympathize with that. Uh, being someone that wants to know what's next, I need to follow a few different sources to really stitch the story together. Uh, and I hope this will change in the future. That in the future, like we have, we have a, like a governing body for React Native, but like you said, the surface area is just so big and the dependencies on, on different open source libraries and authors are so large that you really need to listen to to a few different sources to to have a proper overview of what's going on, what, what's going to be next. Um, okay, so frustrations uh, out of the way. Let's talk about uh, hopes. Let's talk about opportunities. What opportunities do you see? Yeah, we touched on the open source topic and I think like what's great for React Native is again, this ability to be able to open source the solutions. And I think what we, we're really proud of here at Callstack is that those are not only the solutions that we are the authors of, but for example, projects that we are working on with our client, like for example, uh, Reassure, so the tool to monitor like performance regression that was built together with Entain, it gives you like a lot of possibilities. And I think like for organization, big organizations specifically, seeing that there's a different brand standing behind the solution allows you for an easier buy-in and possibility of using this uh, library inside your product because like otherwise uh, there's some great open source projects that uh, you will never invest as a as an enterprise because you're not sure if a developer will change jobs and stop maintaining the product or something will get broken and, and you won't be able to fix it quickly enough. Uh, so it's definitely great to see companies being uh, open to do this kind of stuff in the open source space. And, and I think it's pretty unique and great for React Native. Yeah, sorry that I paused there because I, I couldn't think of which one to speak to first. Um, so along, along <laughs> Talk those about lines, all of them. Talk about all of yeah. them. That's the last question. And this show is called the React Native Show Podcast. So we can talk about opportunities and benefits all you want. I'm all ears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited about bigger companies um, developing their products uh, in React Native. Microsoft, obviously, it's it's a big one. I think Microsoft's involvement gives me a lot of confidence in React Native, particularly because they have historically been a very, very good developer company. Remember, developers, developers, develop. Yeah, that's what Microsoft is, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I think the biggest opportunity that there is in the space, though, is really defining uh, very well what the production pipeline of developing a React Native application uh, is like. Um, so as I've moved from company to company, I've seen that um, everybody's trying to solve the same issues. Um, everybody's just like kind of working from scratch on, you know, for example, like continuous integration, uh, visual regression testing, um, and that kind of stuff. So I would love for there to be like a consortium of uh, React Native companies. Um, obviously, there's like a lot of them uh, who are very influential in the space. Um, kind of thinking about like what's the idealized frictionless React Native development pipeline. 
um, if and that's like that's like a really fuzzy idea. But as somebody who's worked in the space, I kind of don't want to keep thinking about these issues every time I start a new project. I just want to have these things solved because we're not inventing necessarily anything new. Like every company is just trying to figure out their own way. I definitely get what you're saying. And I think this also ties into this um, distributed truth about React Native because those solutions are out, are out there, but you just have to know which one to use and like stitch them all together yourself as a company. But I can see what you're saying about the opportunity here. Kubam, we should probably uh, try to invest uh, some time in this space in stitching together a comprehensive guide to like React Native development experience to React Native pop, uh, development pipeline. Uh, I think this could be a great source of um, knowledge for companies to, and maybe not only because like Kuba said, the great opportunity here is freedom, is flexibility. So not necessarily show one only proper way because there are few different things for visual regressions that you can use, for CICD that you can use, but maybe show some of the paths so that not everyone has to invent the wheel for the first time for themselves. Great idea, yeah. Rafael. Thank you. Yeah, I think exactly what Rafael mentioned that oftentimes organizations are just trying to solve the same issues over and over again. And I think this is what made, for example, our React Native Optimization Guidebook so popular. Oh, because yeah. yeah. Nothing yeah. revolutionary, just like a set of best practices from our experience gathered in one place. And uh, you can clearly see that companies are benefiting from it. And uh, we touch on various topics there, but it's still, it's, it's not everything, all the issues related with React Native. So I think it's a clear proof that organizations are really actually struggling with all the same things uh, oftentimes. And uh, again, we, we come back to the topic of, you know, keeping the, the ear to the ground and just allowing community to find this maybe single source, source of truth. I'm not sure if, if I would call it that way, but maybe just like a unified source of best practices they can use to avoid any kind of struggle with the same issues that they've That's been experiencing. That's my title for the, the next, the the next ebook, Kuba unified source of the uh, you know of all, practices. all of the words that you I just mark. said we it's mark. a great title for our next ebook with that let's wrap it up thank you guys uh i'm gonna do a brief recap of everything that we said in this episode so i sat down in the other room but i'm still in wrocław uh and guys are in the podcast studio uh i'm i sat down with rafael and kuba to talk about react native at scale so we've ranted a bit, but we've also discussed some very optimistic ideas. We talked about differences between startups and scale-ups and enterprises. Uh, we talked about the ins and outs of adopting React Native in such scenarios. We talked about optimizing React Native products that, uh, products that React Native is present in already, and uh, the goods and bads of react native as a product so again thank you guys so much for coming to the show thank you rafael thank you kuba yeah, uh, I, thank, you. Oh, thank you for having me 
Awesome. Thank you everyone that is listening to us and watching us on YouTube. And uh, you can check out more episodes of this React Native at Scale series or just the regular The React Native Show podcast on our YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. And please comment and uh, share in social media. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>